These are the yays of our lives. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Hi, Bim. Third time lucky. <laughs> hey, Bim. What? What do you call a chicken with lettuce in its eyes? Chicken Caesar lettuce. salad. Oh, you're not meant to get it. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was there when you heard it the first time. <laughs> I'm going to find a better one now. Hold on. What? Um... Oh, okay, I don't have one. I'll think of one by the end of the episode. I know. I was Why are you so funny? My fart didn't come in time, so I couldn't say, oh, I farted, like all the other six times you started today. Oh, my today. God. <laughs> We've had severe internet issues today, and every time Andrew's managed to conjure up some kind of bowel-related event for the occasion. I'm kind of glad that you didn't, you weren't able to. Well, this morning we were late because I actually had a scheduled poo at 9.08am, remember, and we went start at 9, and I was like, this is not going to work because I genuinely will probably be bringing you to the toilet and I can't really mute those kind of things, you know, so I didn't want to make it a bit of an R-rated podcast. So, and then I farted and then the internet didn't work. <laughs> I didn't fart, so hopefully this works. Oh, my God. This is what you've done to my brand. You've obviously brought a lot of yay, a lot of, like, laughs to the show, but you've also made us the target of all poo memes, but not only poo memes, but, like, bowel scientific explanations because people now think that we're, like, the poo duo. And I'm like... Whoa, I've spent so much time working hard to not be that person and now I'm like the go-to poo gal. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I do find poo weird but then I <laughs> talk about it so much that I'm like, well, it's your own fault, Ange. Uh, anyway, I had two thoughts this morning. One was, does anyone else make themselves late to most things because of their bowels? And then two... I think my phone's listening to me because the other day my TikTok was showing me an account called Pooologist. Don't you think, though, that's because you always talk about poo? Like surely your phone is listening to you always yeah, making poo I mean. jokes. they're listening to me. No, they are. <laughs> yeah, and it was like what happens to poo? It's actually quite, it's actually quite an interesting fact, actually. Let me um, tell you. Did you know the poo that goes into the sewer system, sewage system, goes into oh like this God. big factory and then they filter out all the water from it and they kind of like dehydrate it almost and then turn it into like this dirt looking like thing and then it and gets put into compost and all sorts of stuff. And they what? Turn it into what? Compost. Oh, my God. Also, I'm going to steer this conversation right away from poo because I'm, I feel like we don't want to be... <laughs> The poo duo for the rest of ever. Well, no, it was just just a fun fact. Okay, just, <laughs> so you know, your neighborhood watch for the week. You know, people people have talked about birds and the bees. This should be part of it. I mean, anyway, that's true. So that's episode. true. I mean, like ninety percent of Australians probably have some kind of gut related issue that they actually like. It is actually an ATA in their life. Like we could do a bowel related issue, but I feel like if I dedicated a whole episode to that 
then you would have to like not spread that into every single other episode ever. <laughs> no, I can't sign that contract. All right, we'll stop here. I can I can distribute my quota across the whole year rather than one long episode. I'll agree to that. Oh, my God. Okay, anyway, moving right along. Are you going to do this every episode now? Do I need to fire you from this position? Well, I think the audience can speak to that. <laughs> we so throw it out. We'll throw it out as a poll. Imagine if everyone was like more poo talk. I'd be like, what is what is happening to this show? What has become of the neighborhood? <laughs> we'll throw it out to the audience of two. Our so grand can you listenership. Just, can we go out and ask Nick and Elizabeth of <laughs> two. <laughs> no, but actually, no, we actually have more listeners than you think because I came to work the other day and I just told you this, but I'll tell you again. I came to work the other day. And my friend was like, and I listened to you guys for my whole trip. And I, as much as I love, I really love doing this with you. I get really embarrassed and feel like I've listened to it. And I'm like, oh, no, don't do that. Like, but also like do that. But also like, oh, shy, shy. Anyway, she was like, um, she was like, oh, I listened to you this morning, Mezzy Cozzy. <laughs> and I like genuinely forgot what we spoke about last week. And I was like, what the heck is Mezzy Cozzy? It was like, oh, my God, what is she talking about? Her name's Meryl. Shout out to Meryl. And I was like, oh, my God, the things we talk about in hindsight are so odd, I have to say. But you know what? It sticks. So I mean, I had totally forgotten until you just told me two seconds ago in like take 422 of trying to make this episode. I was like, (laughs) what is Mazzy Cuzzy? How did we end up calling the great (laughs) Marie Curie Mazzy Cuzzy? Like who even are we, for one? Two, I forgot entirely that we even spoke about that. Three, I'm actually so excited to bring this historical segment to life because I feel like there's so many people I've come across in this past week that I was like, yes, we need to do this person. And to your credit, Yeberhood, you've all been amazing at like sending in, like, you know, when I go, oh, I wonder what the Yeberhood thinks. Guys, please DM me. I don't actually expect anyone's actually going to do it because I forget that we have more than a fan base of two. But you guys have had amazing suggestions, like Mazzy Cuzzy. Like, <laughs> we're going to do Maya Angelou. <laughs> of course, I'm going to do Eddie Jacob, but please tell me if there's more. I've got like a full list going, which is so lovely. And also had a lot of messages from people who were also feeling as kind of either flat or just weird as we were and continue to be a little bit like – I can't even remember what I've said this episode or not because we've recorded, tried to record so many times today. But I feel like last week we were both just in a weird place. Like we were still having a real hard time getting into the year. This week I'd say we're both a little bit more into the swing of things but probably not back to 100%. Like still having up and downs of motivation and, and a little bit of, yeah, I don't know, lacking routine and still a bit of a lack of direction. But so many of you wrote in saying that even just hearing one other person say, that they're having that experience really helps validate it, I think, so you don't feel alone. So I'm so glad that some of you felt validated by it not always being all Pollyanna sees the A, like part of, you know, being joyful is also acknowledging when it's tougher and it has continued to be a weird time. So I found a quote of the day. The good thing about having to re-record this about 75 times is that I had time to do my own homework for my own show and find a quote of the yay today, which is from Helen Keller, which I also really want to do. Hez Kez, a really great historical episode on Hez Kez. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> on Helen Keller, 
who is the most extraordinary human, despite what my abbreviation of her name might suggest. She was deaf, dumb, and blind, and still managed to learn how to speak. And she wrote braille, like she could write and read braille. And just, it's the most extraordinary story. And again, something that I think a lot of us, we might have heard her quotes, but people who didn't study her in school or, you know, have had no one read her materials or know about her is one of those women that I think we all need to know about. And so definitely she's on the list for the historical episodes, which I think should be called Yesteryear, like yesteryear, but yesteryear, just dropping that in there. So feedback, poll, votes, welcome at any time. But the quote from her was, a bend in the road is not the end of the road unless you forget to take the turn. And I think that's such an amazing quote at a time in our lives where all of us were on this one particular road, even if we didn't know exactly where it would end up. Most of us had some kind of idea of what our life was going to look like. Then COVID came and has caused so many bends in so many roads and has led a lot of us to feel like it's the end of some things and the end of some good things. But I feel like in any case where there's a bit of a shift in your plan, if you decide to make the right turn, to make the right pivot from that, then it doesn't have the, to be the end. It can just be a change or and often it can be an improvement on the plan that you originally had. And I thought for a woman who lived life with the most adversity you could imagine, even just to communicate what she was feeling was enormously difficult. To have that kind of depth of wisdom, I, just, I don't know. The quote just came to me at a time where I was thinking about bends in the road and, you know, quotes always find you when you need them most. I just thought, what an amazing quote. And it also linked so well to a Yeaborhood Watch item, which just happened over the weekend, the Australian Open Finals, about the great Ash Barty and her bend in the road. Yeah, that's a like perfect time because I was talking to someone last night, like one of my friends last night, about a similar concept in that she was feeling like in a bit of a rut because she wasn't where she thought she would be by this point. Um, and I was like, you do forget the last two years has been the most unprecedented and that's such a used word now, but there's no other word, but most unexpected, I guess, bend in the road. Like how were you going to know that we're going to have pandemic that was going to last two, three years and achieve really big, you know, she was in a stage of her life where people around you are having babies getting married, getting engaged, buying houses. And I think it's actually quite hard. I reflected on that too. And I was like, everyone is on a different path. And I feel like there shouldn't be timing or milestones to determine how successful you are at a particular age. I feel like everyone's on a, a different path and a different pace and they get to where they need to be whenever that is. And everyone's got different purposes. So it's really hard to compare to someone next to you who's the same age that's achieved this, this, and this. Because that might not be your path. Mm. Like that might not be what your life is and what you want so I think like that whole bend in the road thing it's quite nice to see that you know not everyone has a linear path to where they want to be everyone takes their own little journey and their bend might come earlier and some people's bend might come later and that turn might come earlier and that turn might mm. come later so I think so long as you just keep working towards what you want that's the only thing you can ask of yourself because everything else is out of your control totally. you know the whole like control what you can control and then accept what you can't yeah totally and I think one of the things that's really unique about this whole past kind of two and a half years is that even if you let go of the comparison with other people and other people's timelines, then there's the issue of you comparing yourself with the timeline you thought you would have. So I think a lot of us have still held on to this, that's where I thought I would be. Like I should be here, but because the world has been, you know, so messy, 
I'm not. And we have this parallel like me where I should be versus me where I am. And I think because you can't change that that's happened, the more you worry about that and make that comparison, the more you keep that hypothetical you alive, it just causes uh, like upset. It just causes disappointment. It just causes all these feelings that by comparison, you're not reaching up to whatever you thought you would be at by now. The more you let that be a comparison, you're just going to feel bad about it. And you can't you can't go back to that hypothetical situation anyway. So it's sort of like the, the earlier that you can accept that this is what's happened to all of us. This is what's happened to the world. It's not ideal. It's caused a lot of upset, but you're exactly, you know, you're only where you are. You're never going to be back in that hypothetical situation. So it's been a big thing for me to kind of let go of, oh, but I would have been, or me without COVID would have been at. There's no point in looking at me without COVID because there is no, that's not a real scenario. So I feel like the bend in the road situation also involves letting go of imagining that the road never bent and just still comparing yourself to the straight line because that will just it will just never make you happy right like it's always going to leave you feeling what if so I think yeah the more you focus on the road that you're on and the pivots you can make the the better it is for you and you don't feel a loss of a loss of anything because you realize you actually haven't lost anything you weren't necessarily going to have that life anyway so yeah, I feel like that's really interesting. It's so much about mindset. And the and the thing is that we were talking about in our first attempt at this episode was that everything really <laughs> that happens to you is like there's an element of the physical facts of something or your physical skill or your physical ability to do something. But most of the time it's your mental approach to that thing. Like really that's the bigger picture. And I was talking to a good mm. friend, you know who I'm referring to. Mm. She's just started an amazing business, like has had an extraordinary life, has just started this amazing business. All the outside markers of that business in its first little while have been absolutely incredible. But through no actual event, she just spiraled into this, like I can't do it, I should close it, this is the worst idea ever. And it's not got anything to do with the physical facts of the market, the physical quality of her idea, her incredible skill to be able to do it it's all about her brain like your biggest barrier is always mentally whether you can do it or not and Mm. just with the chat to one person we just went over it and went over the doubts until we could kind of quash them together and by the end of it she was like I'm so excited to have this business and we were reading about Ash Barty obviously has made history over the weekend like I was bawling as if she was like my sister I was bawling during her game because it was just (laughs) like a moment for the nation like she's come so far and she's only 25 and it was just so emotional but I also read later like I think like maybe even just this morning I don't even know what time it is but that she took a break from tennis like most people don't know that there was a chapter where she was so young and so successful so young that the pressure was so much that she stepped away from the sport and not only stepped away just as a sideline she also ended up playing with cricket for the Brisbane Heat because she's just so multi-talented but she (sighs) fully left tennis and because of not because she couldn't physically do it but because mentally it was too much and it was Serena Williams who sent her a text saying come back to the sport how is that for like a non-linear way TA, like literally leaving the sport that she is now, you know, making history in, but it took one person to address the mental barrier and be like, dude, come back. Like you need to be in this. Is that amazing? Yeah, actually um, S-Dubs actually also texted me the other day. 
She said, don't come to tennis ever. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. I was going to, Appreciate but you've changed you. my mind. <laughs> I was up? going to, <laughs> to to make a campaign for 2023. <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't realise. Yeah, you you don't even know, but I've actually been on a tennis break for the last 24 years. I've just had a really long really long pause I just in my stepped career. aside, you know, because I felt the pressure as a two-year-old. It was too yeah, much. I was born and then I stepped aside. <laughs> yeah, it was, too, it, was, it was actually it was actually fetus year old and I was like, got to take a break. Mate, fetus year old Ange, you were so um, promising. No, I, we talk- Your, that wrist power, <laughs> it was just insane. Like we'd never seen anything like it. I know, but, you know, tennis, piano, what are you going to choose? Oh, my God. Piano's going to be... <laughs> What we were talking about last time was Ash Barty's mental game in her final and that and Nadal's mental game in their final, which was I I feel like the phys, I, I know the physical feat is incredible, which is why I was like, I'm I, I can't say I'm not phased by it, but I was like, I know it's a physical feat. But the mental battle of being like, you know, five games to one down or two sets to love down, and then coming back and winning is like you imagine how many points have to be won in that and how many games have to be won in that to get you know back to three sets up and then obviously win the whole championship for both parties but I was like I if I I was sitting on my couch having like spaz attacks being like oh you missed the shot or whatever if, I was like imagine if I was playing I would have just <laughs> spiraled into the corner straight away but these players are just incredible like I, I am inspired more so by their mental resilience than their physical endurance. I think oh my God, it was same. so, so, so awesome to watch. And they were so respectful the whole time. They were just so focused on each point. And yeah, it was so awesome to see. I think Ash Buddy is one of the greatest athletes. Oh my of God, all time. the GOAT, the GOAT. And Dylan Alcott, the other goat. Like, what an absolute legend. And also, I'm so old that, like, a little while ago, I had to look up why everyone was talking about goats suddenly. And I was like, oh, greatest of all time. G-O-A-T. Like, they're not literally talking about a goat. Wow. That's my life now. Looking up acronyms <laughs> and not knowing what they mean. <laughs> but seriously, like, it's... I actually said goats of all time and I was like, oh, yeah. Goat. Did you get it? Like, when you said it as what a full sentence? Yeah. I was like, oh, Yeah. I would, yeah, I got it. So, yeah, continue. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just going to say that I totally agree. Yeah, it's totally a mental thing. Like, to anyone who didn't watch the games or who doesn't follow tennis, you don't need to understand to know that basically at, in Nadal's final last night and Ash Barty's final the night before, there was a like really critical point where they were under and you know, pretty close to a possible loss. Uh, like, say, say you need to win two out of three. Like they had lost two out of three and there was a chance to to come back. But the mental strength to come back, I mean, literally I break a nail and I'm like, no, nope, that's it, I can't do anything today. But they are like, you know, so close to losing everything and can still come back from that. And you think it's similar to, you know, Samantha Gash, you guys all have heard her on the show a couple of times, our good friend. She, in her ultramarathon running, like she was never a runner by background and she puts an enormous amount of physical conditioning into her training, but she's never been the most natural, naturally built athlete. She's never been the most naturally fast person, but she is the mentally strongest person. So it's like her body will do what her brain, mm. it'll cave to her brain's will, whereas most of us are the other way around. Like 
you know, our mind caves first and our body, like my body can run way further than my brain will let it. It's just that my brain's like, oh, it's probably like I'm probably getting a bit sore. I probably want to leave now. But her brain is just like, (laughs) no, I will do. It's just so interesting. After the marathon, and it's so weird, uh, just physiologically and psychologically, that after the marathon, obviously we've just did this big training program, run 42 kilometres, like had so much fun, felt really good. And then now weeks after, both Loz and I just are really struggling to run. We can't even run in like 5K without making a really big deal about it and make it being a really, really big struggle. And, I, and I'm and i like, oh, my God, we suck. But it's the mental game. Like how can you be physically able to run 42 kilometres and then a couple of weeks later just struggle to run four? It, it baffles me. But, yeah, I think it's testament to how much it is a mental game in a lot of sport. And it's particularly solo sport. But if you had to choose a sport, if like if you could be any professional sports person in the whole world, what sport would that be? Connect four. <laughs> well, lucky you, because I was gonna say guess who. <laughs> I reckon I reckon like part of me would like the discipline and intensity of an individual sport. But I love like I'm so I bounce off the energy of other people. If I am in a, you know, negative rut of, for example, in the tennis, if I was like two sets down, I'd be like, oh, my God, it's all over. Whereas if I was, you know, in a team environment, I feel like everyone's energy together and shit. Like I love sharing things. I don't really feel like something's really happened until I've shared it with someone. So I feel like a team sport would be the go, but I don't know what team sport. I love lots of different sports. I can't say I'm like great at any of them, but I don't know. I don't know what it would be. What about you? What would you do? Oh, excuse me. You're good at darts. I'm so, I'm so um, good at darts. Well, I hate people. You love people. Oh, my yeah. God. I hate people, so I would choose clay shooting. You pretend that you're all jaded and like anti-people, but you're like A, 10 years too young for that, and B, obsessed with humans. <laughs> no, I don't hate people. I love people, but my sport, upon deep reflection, would be volleyball. Which I feel like Taliqua, our other guest, the Olympian beach volleyball player, she owes you a text to be like, dude, come back to the sport. <laughs> Please, higher expectations. She texted me four days ago. (laughs) We need you back in the sport. (laughs) Don't come to the sport. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Your reputation to uphold. (laughs) Oh, man. That was my choice. (laughs) So, you guys, we're still absolutely 100% as scattered as we were last week, just a little bit less email about it. So, we're getting there. Other (laughs) things. <laughs> so email about it. It's so true. We were like, we feel shit. You feel shit. I feel shit. Yeah, I hear you, and I validate you feeling shit. Validate you. I wonder if Matty Cuzzy felt shit. Sorry, I'm really Matthew excited about Hescans. I'm so excited about Hescans. Oh my god. Oh my god. I saw another meme today that was like, I heard someone call a mental breakdown a minty bee, and I'm totally gonna use that right now. It's like, why do I resonate so much? Menti bee. bee. We're having a minty bee. Bim, we're getting 
Do you know what? We're going to lose our any ability to be articulate. Imagine us in a you know formal interview one oh, day. My God. Oh, my favorite quote is from his kids. <laughs> it was, if you're having a menti like, bee, just keep going. <laughs> Don't worry about the menti bee. Oh, my God. Like, it's it's so bad. I actually, so we have a really exciting few yeah, episodes so coming. Lazy, and I had to re-record, like, and I haven't done this in years, but like, because done is better than perfect and I kind of, you know, stopped re-editing every single you know, question that I ever ask. But in the last two episodes, the guests have been extraordinary and I can't wait to share them. But I have had to re-record a few of my questions because I'm I literally said in one of them, Oh my God, I don't even know what I'm saying. But at least you get what like, do you get what I'm saying? And she was like, Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so terrible. <laughs> so I had to re-record the whole question. <laughs> I'm such a bad influence. Oh, it's oh the gosh. worst, but my brain cells have just like gone AWOL. I don't even know what's happening. But Quick question, quick time time related. We don't we usually do like quite evergreen content, but more mm. timely related for you. It is mm. Lunar New Year for you. How are you going to celebrate? Tell us about Lunar Ooh, New Year. Yeah. It is the year of the <gasps> tiger, is it this year? Yeah, the tiger. Um yeah, today is Lunar New Year Eve, New Year's Eve for us. And as I've grown older, I think I've grown a greater appreciation for my culture. And I'm really not a religious person, but I appreciate so much how much my parents, they're not like overly religious, but we grew up Buddhist. So we went to temples and there's like an altar at home and things like that. But there's so many traditions in the Buddhist Vietnamese culture that I've grown to want to know more about and continue to hold on to. And one of which is celebrating Lunar New Year with all its festivities and traditions. So for us culturally, and I, I'm sure every family will do different things. So in Vietnamese culture, it's different to what, you know, if you go to say Singapore or China or other people might um, experience, but very much you celebrated the same calendar, which is the lunar calendar, and that's why I call it Lunar New Year. But tonight we will be having a really big feast and what I, my mum normally does, we'll go to mum, our parents' place and have that. And what, we normally do is actually they do a lot of praying. So at 12, um, we'll normally burn the incense and invite our ancestors down to eat. This is all figurative, of figurative, but <laughs> figurative, obviously. Goodness me, too much messy, cuzzy, messy, cuzzy. Now I can't talk. So what we do is we burn incense and that incense, the smoke goes up. And while the incense is burning, we say a prayer or send our invitation in front of the altar and that's actually how we call the ancestors down to join us for the meal for the night and sometimes we used to burn paper clothes and that that smoke going up would be giving gifting them clothes so it's quite spiritual i'd say this whole process so we do a lot of cooking mum will do a lot of cooking tonight the other thing she does is like a lot of superstitious things so cleaning their house and then sweeping dust out of the house at midnight to like sweep away last year's woes or whatever and then start the new year fresh so yeah really cool cultural things like that so that'll be tonight and then tomorrow is new year's day and then normally what we do for that is we would wear our yai which is the vietnamese dress and we will wish each of our parents and our grandmas uh, well, which is for the year, and that's when we receive our red pockets. Oh, she's gonna be rich. Yeah, when you when we were kids, we were balling. We'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> now it's like five dollars here and there. Like, Thanks for your contributions. 
<laughs> but yeah, you, we used to get a school. We used to get like thousands of dollars. Oh. I was like, you're nuts. Because you go to your parents and then you go to the grandmas and your uncles and your aunties and it's the whole, like they dish it all out. But anyone that gets married then has to start giving, we call it leasey. And once you get married, yeah, you have to wish. It's quite formal. So you got to do the whole like crossing of hands and formal wish for the year. And then you receive it with two hands and you, they sit on the sofa and you stand in front of them. Like it's a formal, hello, I wish you this. But obviously we suck and we always make it a joke. Like last year I was like, I wish you have a great year and you live to a hundred and you find a boyfriend. Thank you. <laughs> and Benoit was like losing it. She was laughing so much, but it's just all tradition. And then normally what we do for the rest of the day, but we've also obviously all got work now is we visit temples throughout the day and continue the wishes and the, for the year across all the temples, as many temples as mum and dad can get to in the day around Melbourne. So we used to do like seven temples in a day, which was a really long day. Whoa. There's a lot of free food and a lot of festivities. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I used to just find it just such an arduous thing to have to continue to do every year. Mm. As I've grown older, I've realised one of the importance of it, not just to my parents, but in terms of holding culture as a second generation Vietnamese person in a different country I have valued it so much because what I would hate is for it to stop with me yeah so yeah tomorrow I won't take work off but I'll we will all come home tomorrow after work and do our wishes in the evening and have another dinner so it's really fun and really special it's very different it's not a party vibes like in western culture where it's very like celebratory it's um, much more like formal and I guess superstitious and spiritual which yeah it's really cool so I'll probably document a lot of it on Instagram tonight because I realised that our culture or how I've grown up is so different to people around me. So, yeah. I love that. It's Angela's culture lessons. We haven't had one of those on Yadu Allies for a little while. So I really like that. And I also think that if anyone has been like us and has been having like a bit of a clunky start to the year, that we can all adopt Lunar New Year this year and just think of it as like our year officially starts tomorrow. (laughs) That's how I'm doing it anyway. Yeah, pretty much. Like, January was start a write off. Like, screw the whole start, start of the again, year. Yeah, start again. Clear the slate. Yeah. Let's begin again tomorrow. Legit. <laughs> yeah. Or just like, if tomorrow doesn't work, just choose another random calendar of the world. Like, I'm pretty sure Nepal's in 19, I mean, 2075 or something. What? What do you mean? They're up to 2075 yeah, in their calendar? calendar? Yeah, they're like really far ahead. I really like our tidbits of information. In at the minute. What? I don't understand. Yeah, I remember. Well, because I was when I was there and I did that trek all those years ago. I remember they had this big banner that said like "Happy New Year, 2000 and open in 2030." And I was like, guys, it's 2015. Huh? And then my Sherpa, my my guide, was like, no, it, like we the in the Nepalese calendar, we're actually up to like 2000 and. 70-odd, What? Wait, so the – It was amazing. What, it was so cool. So, like, there was a sign that said open in 2030? Yeah, it was, like, 2030 or something. It was, like, for a town and it had this big banner they hadn't taken down and it said, you know, opening dates, opening ceremony and it had 2030 or something. Oh, my gosh. And I was, like, Shering, this is wrong. We're li- like, we're only in 2015. <laughs> He's, like, no, 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 we use a different calendar. And so – because I, I remember asking him what his when his birthday was because I was like, oh, maybe it's soon I can, we can celebrate together. And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I don't – because he was going off the Nepalese calendar. <gasps> so I was like, oh, I, I don't – Oh, my like, God. Like, he couldn't – I don't think he could do it. Uh, yeah. But obviously they use 
what's our calendar? The Gregorian calendar or something like that. or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it definitely starts with yeah. M. M- M- it's an M. Yeah, it's a silent M. There's a silent like Mag- Batman Mag- symbol Mag- in there yeah, as well. So, thanks. <laughs> thanks for your support, man. Yeah, I mean, sorry, it's close, tidbit. close. Nepal's in 2007. You know, yeah. another <laughs> random tidbit. I love our random uh, tidbits because yeah. I also learn so much like during these episodes. So in the Korean culture, your time – I have to remember this correctly. So from the time you're born – to I think it's on January 1. So just say like you're born, I'm born on March 24th. So in Western culture, that starts the clock at zero. And then next March 24th, I turn one. In the Korean culture, I'm zero. But then on December 31st to January 1st, I turn one then. And then I would turn two on March 24th. So the calendar year clocks you over a year. I think that's how it works. Or you're born at one, one or the other. But often your Korean age is like one to two years older than your Western age, which again, like so interesting that different cultures actually date people from different times. Yeah. So same in Vietnamese culture. So when you're the your date starts when you're in the womb. So that's like zero. So when you're born I'm pretty sure you're one by then. Wouldn't you be like nine months? No, I think they just I don't know when they started, but because starting on Jan 1st is way too hard to calculate. So they are... Uh, <laughs> Not for so Koreans. Mom and Dad are always like, God, <laughs> goodness <laughs> me, the bougie. The burglars. Oh, you learned that um, last week. Oh, my God, you learned what bougie came from last week. We are so smart. Oh, yeah, my gosh. So we are smart. S-M-A-R-R-T-Y. Smart. <laughs> anyway. Mum and dad always say, when I was like 17, they're like, you're already 18, you're already an adult. And I was like, what? And they'd always say, remember in Vietnamese age, you're actually already 18. So they, it's a mix of following the lunar calendar and the fact that you're like already an age when you, uh, when you're born. Oh, that complicates all sorts of things. So, so. complicated, but cute. Yeah. I love that. We've learned so, so much today. Confusing. So cute. Anyway, so yeah. So happy new year. Eve, happy everyone. new year, Bimby. Mm. Do over. Let's all start again tomorrow. Thank you. In the meantime, cute neighborhood watch things that you found this <laughs> week. Include. Go. Oh no, you're starting. You sent me all that stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. So one that I just okay, everyone who listened last week will know that we are obsessed with the train guy. And I've shared some of the videos on the Instagram page so that you can be introduced to his absolute joy for life. And the Joe Jonas video is also on there. He's just the most yay field, like watching that guy get excited about a train honking its horn at him. Just you can't not feel happy. He is so amazing and I really want to get him on the podcast. So anyone who knows anyone who knows him, please let us know because we want the train guy on the show, Francis Bourgeois. In a similar kind of vein to him, this week's equivalent of the train guy are the tap dancing guys. I don't know if you've followed the Gardner Brothers yet, Bim. Have you seen them? No. So they're, I'll have to send you the video. It's so cute. They're uh, five-time world champion Irish dancers. So they're Irish dancers and they have taps on their shoes. So they do Irish dancing but super happy, super synchronized. They do it everywhere. Like they got a request. They've got like 600,000 followers. They got a request to do it in front of Buckingham Palace. So they did this routine in front of Buckingham Palace. They're like, I think they're brothers that – yeah, are just incredibly synchronized. Their tap dancing is insane. They're so in time. The beat is insane, but they're so happy and just wholesome. So that was, to me, when I found them this week, I saw them like maybe, I don't know, a month ago, but they've kept popping up in my feed. And I was like, oh, my God, they're like the tap dancing version of the train guy. They're just so happy. I do know that. 
the cool thing about TikTok, it's brought like all of these like little niches to the forefront, like cat dancing and train watching and all these like really awesome things that otherwise I would say potentially you would be bullied for or, yeah. you know, like it was such a, like if you did that in high school, people were like, oh, like tap dancing or oh, like train watching. But now it's, I, I, this is why I like TikTok. It just brings out people's joy for things and it makes it really happy. So yeah, I do totally. I actually do know of the, tic, um, the tap dancers. I love them so much. And I, I've like started to love getting on TikTok, even though most of my TikToks are laughing about being a 30-year-old on TikTok and not understanding anything that's going on as a consumer of TikTok as opposed to posting on it. I love that too. There's just, it's just joy. It's just things that make people laugh or things that, you know, are funny. There's no hectic curation of feeds or anything. It's just so much fun. I found so many things on there. And another one that I found on TikTok as well was a surfer. Like even just the fact that good news can circulate so quickly, I think is so beautiful. A surfer has been writing names of people's lost loved ones on his surfboard so that they can ride one last wave. So he writes them on his surfboard. He'll get messages submitted for people who, like family members who might not be able to actually surf, but who's, who's lost loved one never got their one last wave, he'll write their name and a message on his surfboard and then send them the video of him surfing it with their name on the board. I was like, that is just so beautiful. His name's Dan Fisher. Isn't it so sweet? Like just the fact that people think up that stuff, you know, and they do it for strangers and I feel like we we do get really pummeled with like the worst examples of humanity and then people are like, oh, what's happened to the world? But I feel like if we gave – the, an equal amount of time to strangers who do amazing things, it wouldn't feel so bleak because there's so many examples of that out there. We just don't hear about them as much. So beautiful. Yeah, you sent me like five screenshots. Those guys did the teddy bear donation thing oh, again. Oh, yeah. But did you watch the video this time? Like the videos watching it was this time, last week we I did, did. A, a thing of fans throwing teddy bears onto the ice to donate to kids who don't have toys. And it was a soccer club. This time it was an ice hockey club who did it. And the video of watching toys just like get thrown on and cover the entire ice rink, it's just like it just, you just, it stops my heart. It's so beautiful. The generosity and the thought and just even seeing that many plush toys together in itself is so cute. But that was, yeah, I found that. I don't even know where I found that. That reminds me though in terms of soccer, there was a video of a player and it was really big player. I'm going to have to find it and then when you post it, send it to you. But he meets this kid with cancer and then the kid, it's, he says in Spanish or something, I think, he's like, if you score a goal, please do this dance and he does this special dance thing. And then they flip over to when he's, this player scores his next goal and then he actually does the dance for the kid. And it is like I've, it always pops up every now and then and I just cry because the soccer fans that know, know, and they stitch this together to be like, and they flash back to the original video of the kid being like, if you do this, um, can you please do this dance? And they like all all the players did it together. It was the cutest thing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love that but no, I'll, so I'll have to much. find it and, and send it to you. Yeah, 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 we'll post it on the page. And, guys, also please keep your eye out for it. So what I'm going to do, and I did a little poll on social media last week, was as well as all the quotes on the CZA page, do people want like more 
good news stories and like designed into obviously a little CCA thing so that there's a news element too in our continued protest against the negativity of the news cycle. So if you do see any good news stories, I would love to actually share them and turn them around. So, you know, turn them into a post so we can keep sharing them. So if you hear of anything like this, please do flick them over to us. Another one that just on an environmental level that I think is amazing is California, which is not an obscure state, right? It's like one of the biggest states so the impact of this legal change is huge, now requires grocery stores and food suppliers to donate all their edible food waste to a food rescue or food bank, which I think is extraordinary because it's outrageous when you think about it that That so so much food, it gets thrown out just because it doesn't look like, like apples don't look like a circle. Like how ridiculous is it that we're so discerning that it's like, oh, it looks a bit funny, like the ugly fruit gets thrown out. Do you know what? I actually Speaking of sustainability and, and food waste, I, I'm not really the one to have re- resolutions, but I was like set, trying to set goals and things. And I really wanted to be a lot more conscious this year in terms of plastic and food waste. And Loz, love her to bits. She is just so good with this stuff. And I was like, oh, it's like, I was going to be like you anyway. I did it for like a week. And I was like, yeah, I'm on a roll. And then, and then <laughs> I forgot. So now that you've reminded me, I was like, damn, i got to get this kitchen caddy. Like I have this, the council sent me this kitchen caddy thing and I was like, yeah, you're going to do it. Like I did it for a week, had mango peels and all this stuff. I was like so proud of myself, my green bin out there with like leaves and this food. And then now it's like my kitchen caddy has been sitting out in the bloody backyard and I haven't used it since. So thank you for the reminder because I feel like this week's challenge for me or this next two weeks challenge for me is every day is not putting a single piece of food in the, general waste bin. I mean, that's a good good challenge. Will you do it with me? Yeah, that's a good one. Absolutely. And I think it's also good to acknowledge that like even with the best intentions, habit change isn't straightforward, right? Like it doesn't come even if you don't want to be behaving in a particular way. It's just habit often that you have to break, which is if it were easy, then half the world's businesses would go out of business. Like it's not easy for us to change our habits. So it's maybe better for you to set yourself like a smaller goal that's achievable week by week and just add to that rather than being like, oh my God, I'm going totally plastic free and totally everything like in one week. Most change isn't sustainable when you do it that way. (laughs) Yes. So she's taught me a lot. She's been awesome in that that's an actually easy thing to do. It's not a drastic change in your life. I think no plastic is actually really hard because a lot of it's out of you. Things are packaged in a way that sometimes it's really hard to actually avoid that. Whereas putting food into a food caddy versus a like garbage bin is actually just your conscious choice. You can decide to do that. It's just a, a lifestyle change. And the other thing I want to start doing is if I don't have my keep cup, I'm not allowed to get a <gasps> takeaway drink. That's a good one. Oh, my God, I love that. I need to do that too. That's amazing. Yeah, because it's just – habit and lifestyle changes but I think it's important because I feel like we and my children and your children's generations are gonna cop the brunt of it all in terms of climate change and yeah all the things environmentally that are happening so yeah I'll touch base two weeks and we'll update each other that's good accountability and anyone else that wants to join please feel free to oh my god that's such a good one such a good one Vim. well I have a couple of other things on the list these are all 
in celebration of women and their achievements. So history has been made by 19-year-old Zara Rutherford. She became the youngest female solo pilot to circle the planet. Nadia Nadim fled Afghanistan at 11 after her father was killed by the Taliban. She scored 200 goals for Denmark's national team, speaks nine languages, juggled practice schedule while going to med school, and this week became Dr. Nadim incredible story and they're just random ones that I came across and then the one that we've spoken about quickly before our favorite Maya Angelou who is going to be the subject of one of our yesterday episodes I'm just you know trying that yesterday on for size she became the first black woman to be <laughs> featured on the U.S. quarter so there is a U.S. treasury and U.S. mint program to honor you know, amazing women who have played a big role in America's history. And I think it's called, where is it? The American Women Quarters Program. So it's going to honour 18 amazing women who have contributed to the course of history and they'll have custom coins designed that are designed with their story. You know, I actually read the story by the designer of the Maya Angelou Quarter about how she used the negative space to represent certain things and you know, her arms are raised like wings. It's just there's so much thought behind it, but so cool that they're using their currency as a way to honour someone who's like had that much of an impact on their history. So I thought so that was amazing awesome. that there's like a whole program just for recognising women. So good. What are you even so doing? Just, you know, all these successful people and I'm here just beauty blogging. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> Just Tell me about the products. <laughs> For those listening, um, again, so- we're always going to need like visuals. I'm always going to refer to visuals because obviously if you listen to the podcast, you can't see. But I am very sweaty because the room that I record in does not – I can't have aircon on because you can hear everything in the background. So I've been patching my face with a makeup brush and just picked up a ballpoint pen and started doing an eyeliner tutorial. <laughs> Oh my god, you idiot! <laughs> and you can't do like the mouth open technique. Oh my god, and the rolled eyes. Really what sick. is that about? Okay, your homework for next week: figure out why women can't do mascara without their mouth open. I really need to know. I don't think there's a scientific reason. I think but there it's might just be. Everyone does. Shouldn't there be a scientific reason? I feel like there should be. Anyone listening, if there's a scientific reason, can you please let us know? <laughs> and very last section for today: recommendations. Mine is from you, which mm. we watched together, and it's one of those beautiful documentaries that taps into a form of yay that you don't even have to ever think this is going to be your form of yay to appreciate. You know how sometimes, well, in every episode pretty much with a guest, I, I dive deep into a niche that I've never heard about or really known much about, and this movie is Anders' favourite movie ever called Free Solo, and it's about free soloing, which I also didn't even know was a thing called Free Soloing. So tell us about it, Ange, and why we should all watch it. It is one of my favourite movies of all time, that and Icarus. Icarus, those two movies I can watch again and again and again, and I always recommend it, and I'm always like, I'll watch it with you. And then and then I've watched it like six times. But essentially, Alex Honnold is a climber. He's He boulders and he climbs rock, so he's a rock climber. But he has this amazing um, want to climb a Al Cap, which is this huge, I think it was like 5,000 feet or something. No, 2,000? Anyway, it's very, it's huge climb that normally takes people, like sometimes people climb at camp on the rock face because it's quite an arduous 
climb. It's really long and there's lots of different pitches. Pitches are kind of segments on it that you climb. Anyway, his goal was to climb it free soloing and free soloing uh, or soloing is when they do it without any harnesses or anything. They're not clipped into anything. So he's genuinely climbing without ropes, without a harness, without any protective gear, it's just him. And it's this incredible feat of human just achievement. And he claims, like, obviously, you know the result because he's not dead. Because essentially, if you do one thing wrong, you fall thousands of feet and that's it. Like, that's just it. I think it's like a 5,000 or three to 5,000 feet. Just literally almost like a vertical rock face in Yosemite. It's insane. And you watch the documentary and he's got these little tiny little pincer grip rocks that he's holding onto and you're just like and his toe is what's holding him up or and he's climbing through crevices and he's going straight up anyway so you just go through his whole story of how he gets up and how he achieves it and and just the training that's involved and the sacrifice that goes behind it and then you understand the athletic abilities and he has to be able to do that and the other thing that we really enjoyed well we didn't really enjoy it but that was interesting to see was that his really great friends were filming and obviously had a lot of moral and, and a lot of like cognitive dissonance in terms in whether or not to film or not to film because essentially if he did one wrong move or maneuver he would fall and die and they had to accept the fact that that they may be there and watching and filming that whole, all happen but yeah watch the movie it's it's won so many awards after it's, it was i think it started as a very independent film and has now won so many awards and it's, even if you've never bouldered, rock climbed anything before, it's really worth a watch. Mm, so absolutely. highly, 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 highly recommend. I feel like it's similar to the Richard Harris story, The Cave Diver, which you guys all know is still my favourite episode. You don't have to love or ever think you'll go technical cave diving to appreciate what it's like to see someone else's yay in that in that area. And like one of the coolest things from a yay perspective is the idea that most people – like can't think of anything worse. Like his yay, his pure yay, the thing that he's meant to do and that lights him up the most is something that most people have such a strong aversion to, which is just a reminder that like it, no one's meant to be turned on by the same things or turned off by the same thing. So if you find something unusual to be your yay, that that's like we're built that way and not and literally built that way. So my favourite part of the whole show was the medical, like there's a lot of, he's obviously has some injuries, but also he's become the subject of a lot of studies of like, why can he do this? Why is he so much better than other people? And if you've done a lot of work, you know, anything into any research into kind of neurology or neuroscience, the amygdala is the part of the brain responsible for fear and stress. And so all that self-doubt and risk aversion lives in the amygdala. And there's a standard test that you can do where you kind of get shown like a shark and you get shown really fear-provoking pictures and they measure your brain with an MRI to see what kind of activity is going on in your brain. And they can actually see that the average person has like a certain level of red activity in the amygdala because they're fear-inducing pictures. Alex had nothing, like actually no activity of fear whatsoever. So he was literally built and born to have a higher threshold of fear than the average person, which means he's perfectly suited to this kind of activity because his brain actually doesn't register the fear like someone else. And that just for me in a yeah. as a seize the yay focused person was like that's the key, right? We're all built for a different 
for different ingredients of stuff. And so why do we keep this narrative of like I have to do what everyone else likes and I have to hate what everyone else hates? It just blows my mind that that's still something we all kind of assume. Yeah, I think it's a, a, a mix of he was born with a different sense of fear but also he was, he was primed in that way mm. also. He had been bouldering since he was a kid, a really young kid, and he and continued that for a very long time. Like if we look at when we were kids and the types of risks that we were taking and, you know, we were jumping off things, we all stopped doing that at one point, whereas he never stopped. He kept climbing all throughout his adult life. He lives in a van. He lives out of a van. He climbs rocks. He does it without harnesses. He has continued to do so. So his threshold for fear and what he needs to kind of get that part of his brain responsive is, like you said, a lot higher. He needs much higher threshold. So perhaps it's that we just all need to, we can all be a little bit more childlike, a bit more to be able to be more fearless in life. More play to yay. Interesting. Play to yay. Return to the childlike sense of wonder. (laughs) Wow. Brand placement. Product placement. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much, Bim, for joining me for another Yays of Our Lives. And uh, guys, if you do have any suggestions to add to our Mazzy Cuzzy and Hez Cares, we will get on to. We're kind of (laughs) just still nutting out the structure of these historical episodes. But also let us know what you think of Yesteryay as a name. But especially, yeah, anyone that you would like us to do a little deep dive into. I think they should be structured kind of similarly to the normal episodes as if we got to have that person on the show. But also Mm. maybe, yeah, pull out a quote or something that they're really well known for. And Maya Angelou also definitely on there. I don't know what Maya Angelou's nice abbreviation should be, like Maz. No, it's uh, Maya Angie Pangy. Maya Angie How did I not pick that? That is so obvious. Ang-pang. Ang-pang. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Do you know I'm still really proud that your episode of CZA, like your very first actual interview episode. Oh my god! Also, I forgot. So many people asked, "How did we meet?" I'm like, dude, we've told this story like so many times, but we can leave that for next Have time. We? I don't remember. Have yes, we? so many yeah, times. Okay. The very first episode, firstly, but also when it was your interview episode, which I'm still so proud. I called changing the game. <laughs> oh god life reflections can i leave us with a quote i found the quote oh, please do <laughs> yes we get two quotes of the year today okay okay i found the quote that i was yeah i found the quote that i was talking about with the whole like yeah everyone does things in their own time okay so please cue the the oscars finish your speech music <laughs> also just quickly i am Sounds thinking about adding music should i add music like dramatic music yeah why not anyway just something to think about keep going sound effects and sound effects okay cool Cool, cool. Okay, so in post-production, please cue dramatic music. Okay, someone graduated at 21 but waited six years to get a good job. Someone had no education but was a millionaire at 21. Someone got married at 20 but divorced five years later and someone got married at 30 but found everlasting love. You're not late, you're not early, you're just on time. (gasps) Oh, Bim, that's such a good one. I love it. Mic drop. My job. <laughs> oh, I love that one. We're all just on our own timeline. That's such a good reminder, guys. And yeah, if you're not feeling like New Year is tonight and New Year's Day is tomorrow, that's absolutely fine. Just keep going on your own time. And thank you guys all so much for joining. 